Um, so it was about 14 years ago uh, when my wife and I began to notice this little stirring in our hearts, um, this growing desire to become um, a family um, in some form or fashion that could become a shelter for neglected uh, children. We weren't sure what that meant, but all I knew was <laughs> I had some friends and I'd, I'd go to the grocery store and I'd see them and, you know, they had this little adopted kid or they were doing foster care and, um, you know, I knew that wasn't their kid and they'd say, hey, mommy, daddy, and, 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 and I would just lose it. <laughs> I'd be in the middle of Walmart or, or somewhere and I would see um, this family um, where I knew that wasn't their biological kid, but they were living with them and they were taking care of them. And I would literally, I would just, I would begin to lose it. And I thought, what is wrong with me? Uh, so fast forward about six years ago, uh, fast forward about six years ago. And long story short, we had been praying about the possibility of maybe adopting, maybe doing foster care. Um, and so we... Uh, had been doing the traditional adoption route and basically said, let's become a foster care home, see what maybe God would do. We didn't know if that meant fostering uh, for just a time. We didn't know if that meant maybe God would send us a child that could become our own. But we trusted that God gave us this desire 14 years ago that both of us felt um, that he gave us this desire for a reason. So we ventured on to see what that might mean for us. Well, as soon as we became approved as a foster care uh, home, we started receiving phone call after phone call uh, from the Department of Children's Services to receive children. And, and we had kind of decided we can't do more than one child. We can't do an older child. We had two kids of our own. And we just the margins of our life were like, this is going to have to be like the right kid. So I kept saying no for phone call after phone call after phone call. I'm sorry, we have decided we can only take one, must be a little bit younger. I'm sorry. And so we kept saying no to sibling groups of two, three, and four, and especially older children. And once you become a part of that, that foster care system, you realize the needs are gargantuan. And so we probably became known around DCS as the no family or something. I don't know. But it was it was, it was difficult and it was an eye-opening experience to see how overwhelming the needs are. We had decided we wanted to help in some form or fashion, but for us the margin to do so was pretty small and well-defined. So we were taking the step of faith that meant that God would have to answer the questions we were asking. So about four and a half years ago, um, we got phone call number 18, and we were in the bed about midnight, already falling asleep. Um, and so here I am on the phone, and uh, I'm repeating the words of the social worker so my wife um, would hear. And I was like, would we, would we meet them to, you know, go to the hospital and pick up this one-week-old baby? And, like, as soon as I get that out, my wife's like, yes! <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, it, was, it was an almost instant response. It was like Mama Bear had, had heard her cub from afar, and she instantly jumped out of bed. And it was like before the phone call was done, she had her super mom cape on or something. So, so not, not one time in all of those other phone calls did we have a sense that this was right for us or that this might be clearly what we were supposed to do. But, but call number 18 felt right to us, and... <laughs> And she jumped out of bed, uh, and, and she is our daughter today. Now, I tell you all that to say this. Looking back in this process, knowing what we know now, and seeing how God had been working all of these circumstances together, what we learned is that this little girl 
that we now call our daughter belonged with us all along. And I'm not just putting some sort of emotional, melodramatic spin on it. Just think about this. All we knew 14 years ago was that God had planted in us love for for some child. We didn't know his or her name. Uh, We had actually put in for uh, a non-white boy. (laughs) That's what we were hoping for. And we got a white girl who talks with a little bit of an accent because she goes to daycare here. (laughs) All we knew is that God put in us this desire for a child. We didn't know her name. We didn't know it was her. And this whole adoption process, looking back, was us catching up to God's plans. This was actually a process of us catching up to what God had put together for her good all along. Learning her name, getting to meet her, simply meant we had someone to whom we could direct our affections. All we knew throughout this entire process was that there was a child somewhere. (laughs) We didn't know her name, but God did. What I'm saying is that in our experience, it didn't take weeks or months or even days for us to know that she belonged with us. She belonged because we loved her. She belonged because we loved her. This is what it's like to be adopted. We loved her as our own. No matter what, long before we even had her. This is what it's like to be adopted. To be loved unconditionally before arrival, before anything we knew about her. Oh, isn't it cute how she... (laughs) Without having the same DNA. Without knowing a name. You see, adoption is a process whereby God chooses you to be a part of his forever family. And now we're talking about more than just having a kid whose diaper you change. We're talking about coming to call God Father. Adoption is a process whereby God chooses you to be a part of his forever family. And this is the story of that adoption. Scripture is our adoption story. It's the story of God taking us into his family. You can call it being saved, getting dunked, signing a card, coming down the sawdust trail, raising your hands with your eyes closed, I see that hand. You can call it whatever you want to. All of that is catching up to God's plan for you to be a part of his forever family. And we're going to describe three ways that's true from Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 9. If you don't have that handy yet, turn there with me. Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 9. We'll also look at Ephesians 1 um, at some length uh, along the way here too. Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 9. Let's read the whole passage together and we'll jump back in starting at verse 6. It says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all people, of all peoples. 
Verse 8, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord brought you out of out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, verse 9, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Now, you'll notice here in this passage, the word adoption isn't used. It's used in other places. Ephesians 1, we'll get to that. But, but this is a, a way of talking about being chosen and loved, and God being faithful in a way that makes us a part of his family. And before we jump back in, some brief context about Deuteronomy before we look at the specifics of the verses. Moses is about to take the people of God into the promised land. And this is sort of like their pep rally time here, right before they enter. And Moses is psyching them up. He says, as you enter this new land, this promised land that I've been telling you about, do not forget whose people you are. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget who brought you here. You are God's people. Before you were enslaved, you were someone else's people. But now, but now, you are my people. God has chosen you. He loves you. And he will be faithful. He's chosen you. You're loved. And he will be faithful. Don't forget whose you are. So that's kind of the tone here. Pick it up at verse 6. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. He's considering them as holy. You are a people holy to the Lord your God. Don't forget who brought you here. The Lord your God has chosen you. There's that choosing thing. He's chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So this is the first thing we learned about being adopted. Number one, you're chosen. The first reason you belong is because God the Father, who is your true Father, the real power behind your existence, God the Father is the one, as creator, who chooses you. It's right there in the text. God has chosen you to be his people. You are his. To say you're chosen is to say you are his. Now, this is what it means a little more to be, uh, to be chosen. Regardless, regardless of the circumstances no matter how sinful and rebellious you are or have been, God chooses to set his affections on you. God chooses to extend his grace and mercy and favor on his people. Why? Because he's gracious. Why? Because he's merciful. Why? Because he's perfect and holy. Why? Because he alone is able to do that in a way which makes you a part of the family. Not because you're good enough, not because you're smart enough, not because you, you give enough, you go beyond the tithing, you give more than the tithe. You are a reverse tither and you live on 10%. Not because you know things or have accomplished things or whatever it is that you think or feel you bring to the table. Scripture says in Place after place after place after place. These sort of eternal scales that we think exist, that, that God secretly has somewhere that are good or badness about you making it in to his good pleasure. Those scales are forever this way, bad. Scripture in place after place after place after place after place says those scales are like this, bad. Earning it is a frustrating never-ending, 
never-to-be-achieved exercise in realizing your limits. It is only because God is good and faithful. You're chosen. And it's emphasizing here in Deuteronomy. You didn't get yourself to where you are, and where you're going to go, which is a place of freedom, takes you out of the slavery that you got yourselves in. Okay? You're a people holy to the Lord your God. He's chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession. He's, he's your tre- he's, you are His treasured possessions out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it says. And look at verse 7. It was not because you were more in number than any other people, but the Lord set his love on you and chose you. <laughs> you were the fewest of all people. Like there's, I mean, really? Like if God were choosing a nation to make his own people, why would he choose the nation of Israel? Not because they're particularly worthy or large in number. There were other larger, more powerful nations to choose. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. Verse 8 And here's the second reason that we are adopted into God's family, but it is because the Lord loves you. The second thing we learn about being adopted into God's family is that you are loved. You're chosen. Number two, you're loved. God chooses to set his love on you out of the goodness that is God's favor and mercy and grace. You belong in the family because, verse 8, the Lord loves you. Now, let's unpack this a little bit. What does it mean to say that we are loved? It means lots of things. We're going to focus on one from Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. We'll put this on screen if you don't yet have it handy. It says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly Places. This is a prayer of praise for spiritual uh, riches and blessing. This is a prayer of praise for spiritual blessings that helps us understand our adoption. Now, part, Paul starts off here in verse 3 by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, in the person of Jesus, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, he says. To know God as a father is to have access to all of the spiritual blessings in Christ. He loves you enough to give you all of the spiritual blessings and riches that are only available, it says, in the heavenly places where God lives and is perfect, the spiritual riches and blessings of Jesus. He loves you enough to give you that inheritance. So to know God as Father is to know that you have access to all of the spiritual benefit of God's perfections. That's mind-blowing stuff. Remember, this is your adoption story. And it tells us that when you take on Christ, when you accept Him as Savior and Lord, you have all of the spiritual blessings of His perfections given to you, accorded to you, put on your account. So to know God as Father is to have access to all that, to that inheritance. Keep reading in in 1, 3 and following there. 
And notice how this sounds like this chosen and loved thing that's in Deuteronomy 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, meaning in Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. And here's the love. In love... He predestined, meaning this was God's plan all along. In love, he predestined who? Us. Why? For adoption. Just this little phrase right here is amazing. In love, he predestined us for adoption. To inherit those spiritual riches and blessings that come from Christ alone. There are inheritances for us because it says in love he predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters. Jesus makes that clear in Matthew 12 and Paul in 2 Corinthians 6. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. The purpose of his will. This plan for him to have you as a child that's been the case all along. I mean, just, but just think about how fundamentally important it is to understand that when you have the spiritual riches and blessings of Jesus, you are now a different person. You have a different name. You've inherited something you could never earn. There is a, a forever destiny and future that was impossible otherwise. You are fundamentally different. Why? To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So it's something that he chose for us because he loves us. And third thing about being adopted, because he's faithful. God is faithful. Keep reading back in Deuteronomy 7. Let's jump back there. He says, it's not because you are more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but it's because the Lord loves you, and here's the faithfulness, and is keeping the oath, he's keeping his promise, that he swore to your fathers long ago, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He's faithful to keep his promise. And when we're adopted into God's family, or adopted into his family, you're no longer enslaved to sin, but you're free in Christ. Now, to be chosen and loved because God's faithful means we have assurance that's real for us. Look at verse 9. Know therefore, know therefore, set your mind on this. Keep thinking about this in ways that shape your life and your mind and your thinking around this truth. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He's faithful to himself. The faithful God who keeps covenant, his promise, and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. To a thousand generations is a Jewish way to say, from all the way back there many, many years ago, God's choice to set his love on you because he is faithful will carry out to generation after generation to today and beyond. You're chosen, you're loved, God is faithful. Three parts of being a part of the family of God, being adopted to call God as Father. And when we're adopted into the family of God, 
We have the full rights and inheritance of those spiritual blessings that Paul talks about in Ephesians 1. It's like this. In October of 2014, uh, our adoption process finally came to an end and the courts of Tennessee finally caught up to what God had been putting together all along. Let me show you what I mean. Here's the official court document. It's therefore ordered, adjudged, and decreed that, look at B there, Emory Noel Wakefield is hereby declared the adopted child of Scott and Dodney Wakefield, and the relationship of parent and child is hereby established with all rights and privileges incident thereto, including the rights of inheritance. Petitioner shall have the exclusive care, custody, and control of said child, free from the claims or hindrances of all others, and the petitioners shall be held responsible for the child's maintenance, care, education, and support. The name of the child is hereby changed from blank to Emery Noel Wakefield, and a new birth certificate shall be issued in such name. This is a picture of what happens when we are adopted by God. Know therefore that the Lord is God and he chose you and he loves you and he will be faithful to keep you in that promise. When God is your father and you know you are his, you know that you're his adopted child, your previous circumstances no longer define you. I mean that more strongly than most of us feel. (laughs) When you were adopted by God, whatever you counted as you does not essentially define you. Your name, your DNA, your name it. (laughs) You name it. When God is your father and you are his adopted child, your previous circumstances no longer essentially define define you. You're not abandoned. You're chosen. You're not lost. You are loved. It's not that you don't have anybody on whom you can depend. (laughs) It's that you have a faithful father. And And when you know you have that, when you know that's real for you, then you will go through your days finding ways to give that rich inheritance away to others in keeping with the gift you've received from him. It's common in foster care uh, and adoption circles to say, uh, not everyone is called to adopt, which is obviously true at one level in terms of earthly families. Not everyone is called to, uh, to foster and, and to adopt, uh, to be responsible for their nurture. But on another level, at this deeper spiritual level we've been talking about today in Deuteronomy and in Ephesians 1, all who call God Father are called to adopt. Everyone who realizes the amazing truth of what we have in Christ through the cross given to us that we could not earn, when you realize what that means and what you have 
if you understand who you now are and whose you now are in being adopted by God into this forever family, then you know that this privilege of being his son or daughter is not yours to squander. It is not yours to hoard in comfort. This inheritance of being part of God's family is a miracle to steward. It's a miracle to steward for the sake of those who are lost and who are abandoned, who are homeless, who, who do not know God as Father. Friends, the family of God is a place where we take in orphans. The family of God is a place where we take in orphans. Let's pray, friends.